0: Welcome to Healthcare 2030. This program features conversations and interviews with respected healthcare industry experts discussing the latest topics regarding current issues today and the future of healthcare, innovation, and technology. To learn more about Oxio Health, head over to oxiohealth.io. That's www.oxiohealth.io. Now here's your host, Noel Guillama.
1: Welcome to Healthcare 2030. My name is
0: Noel Guillama. I'd like to introduce Carl Larson. Well, thank you Noel, I appreciate it. It's good to be here again, and uh, I'm excited about our podcast today.
1: Well, it's, uh, it's great to be back in the studio and, uh, and continue on the last one we talked about, which is uh, sort of the uh, new president in the United States and uh, what we believe is his plan, what he said is his plan, and how healthcare is going to continue to change. And uh, one of the interesting things that people have a hard time understanding is that healthcare is, is bigger than any one president or any one administration. Mm. And, and many have come to literally change it, move it, uh, literally talked about last time as Teddy Roosevelt's first one talking about national health care. And uh, many have great, great intentions. I mean, I, I remember um, President Bush, uh, George uh, W. Bush, expanding Medicare. Uh, in a material way, in a way that that, that people had probably never predicted um, during the second administration, um, uh, actually first administration, yeah. and, uh, and expanded to Medicare Part D, which is, you know, the drug component. Yes. He talked about it, I think, in the re-election and actually did it in the second administration. Um, that was a very big deal, a very big expansion. So sometimes people, you know, sort of assume... That, uh, that 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 health care is 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 a policy of one party or, you know, and not of the other. When, in fact, when you look at healthcare, care, it's been advanced um, by both parties. Unilaterally. It, really. it, and there's some issues where people have gone back. Certainly Obamacare uh, mm-hmm. and the Affordable Care Act was a challenge, um, but it, it really wasn't removed. It was it was adjusted, tweaked. The reality is that tremendous amount of value and at least twice. I think there's a, another pending case. Is the Supreme Court has basically said it's okay, you could have it. Right. Now it's an issue of policy and how do you change it, how to adjust it. Yep. So we, we live in really, really interesting times, and I think the next ten years are going to be even more fascinating uh, for healthcare. So talking about as we left sort of the, the last part about in part about the, the the Biden administration, one of the things that that he's made a big deal and he's actually I think used a word it, that to him healthcare is is personal. Certainly, if you know his family history and a tragedy. Right. Uh, it, it, it is, I can understand why he would say that and why he's so powerful about it. And he also believes that it, it's something that um, there's a disparity between the wealthy and and, and 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 the middle class, and even the middle class, and the poor, and the people that need care. Uh, so he seems to have the right the intention of making it, uh, of providing much more equity in the how in health in, in, in how healthcare received. It should be something accessible to every american uh and at least one that believes in the free market i think the free market can play a tremendous role we could argue and i i certainly would that the united states has responded incredibly well of the large democracies because it was able to muster the private inter- enterprise and private industries and by the way when i talk about private industries in healthcare, i include not-for-profits mm-hmm. because they're not part of government the federal government Correct. as a matter of fact when people talk about Nationalizing health care, um, I always find it very interesting because they don't understand healthcare. They don't realize that out of plus or minus a million for, uh, medical professionals, either MDs or DOs, doctors, right? We call them doctors. Uh, the United States government has very, very few. Yes. Uh, I would have to think probably the number's under 10,000 that actually work for the government directly, many of them in policy. Um, and the rest are in the VA system um there could be some uh, obviously a material amount in the uh, bureau of indian affairs because they have their whole separate system um that you could say is is, is paid for by the government that's not a statistically large number yeah. so if you're going to create a, a, an economic model for health care even if you create a single payer which i i'm not i don't believe it is good f- for our country or society uh if we had done it back in 1946 uh, or, you know, it would have been a very different scenario, but today it, it would be, it would be kind of catastrophic and a big problem. Um, but even if you create a single payer system, the healthcare delivery system is still outside the government, whether it's for profit or nonprofit. Same thing with what we saw with the development of the COVID vaccine. Um, it was the government did a lot of research for sure, and the government put a lot of money at it. Okay um and that that helped the united states create at least as of today three uh vaccines and and my understanding is there's many more in the pipeline that may or may not you know prove effective actually no there's actually a few more out there is there Mm -hmm. so but that basically the government the the united states in particular does something incredibly well at things is it throws a lot of money at it and by throwing a lot of money at it there was a lot of development and, and 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 uh and I think I, you know, I, it may not have been the first, if I remember correctly. I think the first to prove in the world were probably Chinese. I think was one, um, the Sinovirus or so, Sino something it's called. And the other one was the Sputnik, in Russia. They actually got to market to their market faster than the United States did. Yeah. But the United States has more products and services. So the one thing the United States does incredibly is throw a lot of money at it. And I think that the the big innovation coming out of the United States. Uh, I, I believe sort of post COVID or even in spite of COVID, is really managed care. I think one of the things that's going to be an opportunity for other countries to sort of copy anything in our healthcare delivery system is managed care. I agree. Where you have the government pay pay for the, the, the service, but private industry provides the service and you lay off or you transfer the risk from the payer to the provider of services because it is a lot it is a lot less expensive. For a provider service to do one more office visit, okay, and and control the quality
0: in, and the in, cost, the incremental, right, yes.
1: versus the government just paying for another, you know, interaction or another office visit. Well, uh,
0: I I think you're right, and I think when it comes to healthcare, healthcare is another area for us to do, investigate further. Uh, what has become a a I'll call it a movement, uh, toward public private partnerships that have. That take advantage of sort of the purchasing and the buying power of the federal government, and the innovation and and uh, and and ability to pivot and move of the private sector, and uh, brings together into one the strengths of both sides. And uh, so I think healthcare. Uh, I think we're going to be looking at many more pr- public-private partnerships in healthcare going forward. And I think that's uh, that's where the strength. And to your point about the model for other nations with managed care, I think that that becomes a very, very good example of that type of public private partnership.
1: So the the the, the thing that again, talk about buddy is a thing All that right. the government has done, both the the, 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 the Trump administration, the Biden administration has realized that we have to we could not have um, the core of our healthcare industry collapse. No. And that, that is very important for particularly hospitals that's and our, also doctors. That's our primary care system. So right? so so Medicare advanced doctors money last year, uh based on utilization, they were able to get the PPE funds and they've they've expanded that a couple of times. Um and hospitals have received direct uh not only cost for providing COVID uh care, but also to maintain their facilities. Right. So um I think historically we're gonna have a really big bump on a, from the hospital's perspective. But there's no reason to not expect them to return back to whatever normal was by 2022. Um, so that baseline will be there, even if we're still potentially people talk about when we still be dealing with, with COVID in the United States in, in in a much more diminished capacity and control capacity. So one of the things that that, that talking about sort of the Biden administration is their selection uh, of, of what is now Secretary Javier Becerra. Uh, Becerra, uh, I'm not an expert on him but I read about him, a lot about uh, about him a lot right and I got he got my attention when he took a very big stand with the hospital system in California so he's a former legislature federal you know house of Representative and he's a former attorney general, attorney general. Of, of the state of California right. and what I found about him reading about him and, and I like everything I read about him as far as health care is he's been a, a very big advocate of health care an expansion of care, and particularly uh, to the disadvantage, economic disadvantage, and uh, social disadvantage, and 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 ethnic disadvantage. So communities of color, Hispanic, African Americans, etc. He's been a really big advocate, and and the reason I I, I can talk about that is he took on a, a very large healthcare delivery system in California that had I I, I would argue without question a monopolistic. What is it? Monopoly-like or monopolistic?
0: Monopolistic. Yeah. yeah. Um,
1: type of control in in their healthcare in their community, and he sued them and said, you know, just because you're a non-profit doesn't mean you can do anything you want. Mm-hmm. And and just because most of the time, the regulations around antitrust, at least until, you know that I'm aware of and recently, uh, had been used to for-profit corporations that would right. get together that he would you know conspire to change the market to try to control the market. You know the the legendary cases and technology was you know remember IBM <laughs> was pursued by the government for years and years, and then it was Microsoft that it pursued for years and years and years. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if that happens again. But what he's basically said is we're going to take on this not-for-profit hospital that had basically accumulated a controlling interest. Not all of them, but a controlling interest in the communities um, in California, and he. He got them to compromise. He got them to change their operations. And that's a really big deal because taking on hospital systems is something that rarely happens. Uh, for the last for the last uh, 10 or 12 years, frankly, in my opinion, since the Obama administration uh, created the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. they had a philosophy that I think it was written and stated is they wanted uh, the development of integrated delivery systems, which is where they created the ACL. You know? The, I'm sorry, the ACA, the uh, Accountable Care Organization right. that was part of the ACA. Their idea was that if you get the hospitals and the doctors to collaborate, that the government could uh, create economic benefits to reduce the cost, reduce the utilization, and improve the quality outcome. The The, the program, um, some people think it was effective. I don't think it was. And, and the reason I tell you this is that 90% of all of the the members and the organizations in the ACO program lost money mm-hmm. or lost a lot of money um, less than 10% were profitable and out of those 10% uh, probably you know maybe 50% of the 10% were really profitable so they really did well so when you added the whole program together after three or four years you had some marginal value created but that marginal value was created by a handful
0: right of,
1: of outliers
0: do well, don't you think it was a, a, a lot of it was the focus on the paperwork, and there was so much paperwork to document what was done that there was more focus on 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 the on the, on the on the form over function. I'll put it that it, way. It, and but the one thing I would say that it did do was it helped to bring into better focus and, and attention to quality. Absolutely. No, okay. it, it it not only
1: it, it did a couple of things. One, it focused on quality very much. Right. But it also. Focus on, like you said, process. Yeah, process is really important. So, if you have a patient that has, you know, diabetes or is overweight, it, you you don't wait till that patient gets sick. Okay? <laughs> okay, you really need to bring them in. Whatever the protocol is, I don't know, but whatever the protocol is, every three months, or every six months, you get a full physical and the mammography, all those things that are part of wellness. The we're, metrics, we're, the metrics are part that of the program. Right, yeah. So what 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 the uh, what the uh, HHS did, or the Medicare did, under the Trump administration, is they created a whole new plan. I don't think it'll work either, by the way, but these things are sort of incremental. I guess that's the way it is. And this new plan actually starts in the summer, unless it's changed. I I haven't heard anything about changing it, which is the direct contracting where Medicare is going to contract Mm -hmm. uh, directly, sort of uh, maybe an ACO 2.0, but work on groups of, of doctors that can provide the care. The hospital, which I think was the biggest challenge, in in the sort of ACO 1.0, the way I'm I'm coining it, that that's not the term they use, uh, had disproportionate weight, yeah. uh, and 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 when they were in an ACO, and remember that the single biggest cost of healthcare is hospitals. Mm-hmm. So their number one job, and we talked about it in other other podcasts, is is census, how many people are in their beds. Hmm. So they yeah. have a conflict, a natural yeah, yeah. conflict between providing the the optimum uh quality of care which that's what they want to do at the lowest cost with the least admissions and try to make money on the other side based on on
0: reduced utilization that's right a, that's a really
1: like, long game for yeah. the hospital to play it's kinda like, most of them don't play very well kind
0: of like running a hotel with minimum number of guests yeah so
1: yeah. that that's a challenge that they have so now what the new direct payment plan is allows uh groups of doctors to get together it doesn't say a mandate of what it is, uh, and then take this effectively. It's a little bit of a haircut. The rates that the government pays for Medicare Advantage, um, which is a capitation, yeah. and for that government to pay them directly to these groups in the form of a couple of things. One is uh, is not sort of just a savings, which HCA is HCA's, but pay them a primary care or a or a per member per month for sort of the basic care and then at the end of the year, okay, do a reconciliation and find out how much money they made based on what would have been Medicare rates. Mm-hmm. The reason why I'm not optimistic about the program working is that Medicare managed care is an incredibly uh, uh, complex system to do, not just in payments, but in payments, not just receiving payments from the government, right. but also in paying the providers. And incentivizing the providers in a good way, because we don't want to use it to restrict care, to provide long-term care for the patients. Right. It's really hard, and there's very, on a relative scale, very few part uh, people in the industry can do it. Well, we're talking about incentivizing
0: wellness. Is really exactly. what we're doing, and uh, that's a difficult thing to do. You it, it requires a lot of data, I think, from uh, from the patient. Right. Uh, the only the only way that data is going to get collected is through technology.
1: Um, well, that's a big deal, but let's go back to where the problem is. Yeah. So in order for you to do managed care effectively, the physician has to be trained, I hate to say it, in how to process the doctor, the patient. hmm And you have to create, you have to have case managers, okay? You have to have nurse practitioners and nurses and aides that are all ancillary or extension of the physician. Right. Okay? Because that's really, really important in how they communicate with the patient uh and make sure that patient is is optimally kept you cannot wait for an incident you cannot wait um for an episode to begin that's right and that's that's really hard to do uh at a small scale you cannot do that with 10 doctors it's not you don't have enough people to resources to do that because you have to invest that money up front and then you get paid 12 or 18 months later effectively When you reduce utilization if you were effective if you're effective that's the other problem and if you're not effective uh in this plan you could actually owe the government money Mm
0: -hmm.
1: well i can tell you that the first time a doctor has to write a check (laughs) okay because they were not effective at maintaining the the healthcare costs of the you know the universe that they're managing or their panel it's over it's it's not going to happen again that's right and that's why you need institutions that's why the people that have done incredibly well in this space are not just United the 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 Humana's the WellCare, and and the first two I know for a fact have thousands of physicians that are employed by them. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, you know United Healthcare has Optum, which is their large large group practice, many many billions of dollars, and WellCare. I'm sorry, and uh, Humana has Conviva, Care centers or medical centers, right? Um, and I know them very, very well, and they are trained literally to provide that that could that that uh, focused that well. It, yeah. and we talked of sort of that that omnicare approach that we're talking about, <laughs> yeah. Okay, um, that looks at the patient in totality, right? And I think one of the things that they're they're being able to take advantage of goes back to technology, is telemedicine works all really well in a managed care model. Yeah. Okay. But by the way, so does phone calls. Okay? Well, it so does. Yeah. Ran, but it's when, a touch point. When we when, right. we when we ran Medicare Advantage Centers, we didn't have the telemedicine components and we had phone calls. So they were they were literally phone backs so that would call the doctors. I'm sorry, call the patients and find out if they took their last medication. Right. How did they feel? What, what was their blood pressure, if they have it, what the whole status of information. And mm-hmm. if there was any inclination, the nurse practitioners in our case uh were 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 told literally send one of our vans to pick up the patient was well, it's got them looked at by the doctors.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, the slightest indication, that's what you need to do. That's really hard. So you cannot take a physician in the middle of uh, Ohio just to pick up a place or in the middle of Wisconsin or the middle of Illinois
0: or, or Wyoming. That, that has
1: yeah. not had exposure to managed care and that intensity. Managed care is actually more intensive than people service care. So that's where the challenge is going to be. So I do not believe that direct care is going to work the way the government planned it. Now, but here's the thing about government that it's teaching me. It's sometimes you, you still can make advancements even if it doesn't work because you're now picking up trails of what well, let's call it the Obama, uh, Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, sure. you're picking up trails of the ACA, you're picking up technology trails from from the high-tech act that we talked about right. and now you're going to pick up trails uh, from direct contracting and the reality is it it is changing the, 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 the direction. It's, it's, just... it's
0: incremental, though, as you said, and you know, and I'll I'll quote Sir, Rich, Sir Richard Branson, right? I believe he said, "Success is never a straight line."
1: Well, I, I guess I, I guess I think I'm, he's right. I, I I guess you're right, and I, I tell people that 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 when they think about it, I'm an expert in healthcare, I tell them I'm, I'm a student of healthcare. And and I guess I'm learning, you know, recently mm-hmm. that that incremental approach in the long term does really work. Right. What I think has happened, um, because of co- because of because of the baby boomers, I think it's going to have to accelerate. Okay. And I think if it if, it's being whatever, forced forced to accelerate, I mean, you're really no forced to make a decision. So I, I suspect that that we're that we're going to try um, the direct contracting for a couple of three years. Probably pick up whatever's left of that, and there'll be. A, an ACA or an ACA. ACO 3.0
0: right that I cannot
1: right. know what it's going to call it or who's going to run it or whether you you know this current administration or the next administration that's just going to build up on it but I think that that growth acceleration growth is going to pick up pretty pretty big what what you have to understand that the, sort of what is today Medicare Advantage was started by the Reagan administration as a pilot project here in Miami Florida
0: yeah so that
1: so that's really interesting when you look at it, that, that, that's where it started, and now we have an incredibly robust industry that is growing, and about 30%, 34% of all Medicare beneficiaries are in Medicare Advantage plans.
0: 40, 43 in the state of Florida. Uh, in the Florida. state of Florida,
1: right. Yeah. And, 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 and how many of the new enrollees of those 10,000 a day are going into Medicare Advantage?
0: Yeah. 50%. Or 50%. That's yeah.
1: correct. So you can see those trend lines. So I, I, su- I suspect, as I said earlier, that we're going to have a lot of innovation. I think technology is going to play a big role, but the next 8, nine, ten years of healthcare are going to be, uh, from an administrator's perspective, from a, from a student of it, they're going to be really exciting because right. Right. we have to, as a society, as, as a country, make material changes. Now, now I've learned that material change doesn't happen
0: in a year or two years. It may not even happen in
1: five, no. but it seems to eventually happen but in it's, 10. But it's, <laughs>
0: but, it, but it's moving. Yeah, I mean, it's like they uh, like they always say, the wheels of government. May move slow, but at least they move. Uh, you know, back to your back to your one of your initial points too, Noel is that uh, we have to ensure that our core health care in the United States is strong, and and we retain and managed care is helping to do that. It's really helping to bring together that core health care for the for the community-based care the the uh, our our primary care physicians and it's it's helping to maintain that wellness factor for our aging population as well.
1: So what we end up is right now, as we said, Medicare Advantage is about thirty four percent of Medicare. Yeah. Overall.
0: Right. Uh, overall, right. right.
1: So big big strokes. Uh I think that by twenty thirty it'll be ninety percent.
0: Um and because somebody somebody mark that down. We're gonna uh, right we're down. gonna keep track of that one.
1: Uh, that's why we're calling this thing uh, "Healthcare 2030." Yeah, um, and I think what's interesting is, and, and people don't understand this about Secretary Becerra and the HHS, is is especially when I talk to my friends in Europe, it's talk about well, our system may work better, um, it, it, you know, as as a, either a single payer or government provided healthcare, like for example in the UK, for example, and my argument um, is, like I said before, we can't go back. You no. cannot redesign the system this way. It's just too big and too yeah. too difficult. Right. And I, I explained that how we ended up with two, two two types of system between the sort of the American system and the European system, um, and 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 it was basically out of two components. And I'll repeat it again. One was Kaiser Permanente, which started sort of employer sponsored healthcare, and in the, and in Europe and in um, and in Japan and these advanced economies, including you know South Korea. Is you ended up with 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 economies and and society that was effectively destroyed by the war, and mm-hmm. they had to build from scratch. Yeah. So they, they they realized it was healthcare was fundamental. and That's how they built. Um, I, that's how we ended up with the bifurcated healthcare system. The irony is that I suspect they're going to move more towards managed care, and we as a society are going to move more a little bit more to single payer. And back to my angle is Secretary Becerra runs the most expensive oh. department in the United States. People think, well, defense, or this, or yes. no, Over a
0: trillion yeah, dollars. Over a that?
1: trillion dollars wow. is managed yeah, by amazing. HHS, which is insane. It is. So, effectively, about a third of the entire healthcare industry in the United States, you know, rounding it, especially when you put in the local the, the local, county, state, and federal employees that are not part of HHS, just the the army, the VA, when right. you add all that together, you end up with about a third of all the health care. So I would argue that 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 Secretary Becerra is literally one of the most powerful people for the economy of the United States. Right. Certainly with a stroke of his pen, you know, as we say in the United States, he helps move.
0: He's got a pen and a phone, right? Yeah. An
1: incredible amount yeah. of money. The Secretary of Defense doesn't have that. Secretary of Transportation of doesn't have that. Um, e- even if we do it, you know, a, a a infrastructure plan it's going to be over many many years. There's not a trillion dollars out there. No. Uh. Nobody. And and he has that effectively that authority, or maybe maybe to his detriment, is a responsibility. <laughs> um. But it, I find it very interesting. Uh. Sort of his approach. I find that transparency. Approach very very interesting, um, and and it it's going to be uh, I don't want to use the word fun, but it's going to be very interesting to watch over the next you know three and a half years how this administration executes on those plans and yeah. you know, they're sort of coming out of COVID hopefully you know eliminating the problem, but if not managing it so it's it becomes more manageable, um, and healthcare is going to be more exciting. And I think we talked about the the master trends of technology in care. Is a big idea. Where care is given is a big idea. By the way, in that in that my my prediction that ninety percent of Medicare uh, is going to be managed care. I can tell you that I think that probably seventy-five or eighty percent of the whole provider uh, industry is going to be working not only in managed care, but it's going to be corporate. What I'm going to call corporate practice of medicine, much more the Optums of the world, much more the Conviva Healthcare Centers, and many others. Because it is impossible, it really is impossible for a doctor today to operate in an independent environment. One doctor, two doctors, three doctors. Yeah. The infrastructure that you need, the technology component that you need is obscene, it's insane. Yeah. So that the doctors are going to say, uh, and by the way, all of this has been a downward pressure on, on, on compensation to the doctors. So if you go back and look at how the doctors have been comp- uh, paid since the turn of, of, of the millennium here for the last 20 years,
0: right.
1: um, when you adjust it for inflation, even though in the United States we've had relatively low inflation, the but, doctor's compensation have dropped. As a matter yeah, of fact
0: 1.8% roughly over the last 10 years. Is so,
1: the average. Well, the, 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 the reality is that the Biden administration a couple of days ago literally signed an executive order delaying a mandatory 2% cut in Medicare. So, what happens in Medicare yeah. is we've had a mandatory cut. We've had many. We had three years or four years where the total for Medicare could only increase by half a percent. Now, again, back to inflation. We've had incredibly low inflation, but we haven't had an inflation, okay, over that period right. collectively that was half a percent. So, right. if the, like you said, the average inflation is one to one and a half, one point eight even, yep. if the doctor's getting a two percent cut, right? That's really You know that's really a three percent or three and a half percent in inflation adjusted dollars that's correct so that kind of trend has been going on for at least 20 years and then you throw in the negotiating power of large insurance companies Mm -hmm. and the and the sort of and the employers by the way who are getting much more proactive
0: um tpas uh, and that yeah
1: are putting pressure on physicians at the same time that employee costs are going up, their own healthcare costs for their employees are going up, mm-hmm. their requirements are going up. I mean you cannot walk into a doctor's office today and not see computers everywhere. And 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 either having the doctors sign a lot of papers and then having somebody, you know, go in and enter it in EHR, or like my primary care physician walks around with a little laptop, you know, and, and he gets all information. It's great, great valuable, but it requires more resources, or more people because things go down. Guess what? Right. You know, the Internet goes down, firewalls go down, computers have problems, Wi-Fi goes down. What's a doctor going to do? Well,
0: I'll tell you what we need. We need that tricorder they had on uh, Star Wars, don't we? Well, oh, maybe we'll do a podcast one day about the uh, <laughs> the uh,
1: the technology that was forecast in science fiction. I, I still go back and, and, and talk to people funnily about uh, the first time I... I, I remember something about telemedicine was believe it. or not.
0: Basically, sprockets and, the, and Jetsons, the Jetsons, the Jetsons, the yep. Jetsons, yeah, I okay. Remember and
1: uh, and, uh, Elroy. and Elroy, Elroy having <laughs> some kind of a virus. They called it the Venus virus. Remember <laughs> yeah. that? That was that was the first time in television that you saw telemedicine. Well, I saw that
0: on the History Channel. Well, I was. Oh yeah, I'm way too young for
1: that show. Yeah, I, I am too, but it was yeah. hilarious. Uh, it was hilarious to see that. So. I think we're starting to. I actually think that we finally got there. So if you're right, okay, you know, if you're right means for historical, the tricorder is probably not that far away.
0: <laughs> it's probably a development Why right we, now. And yeah.
1: listen, I remember out there in Area Fifty One. I remember uh, yeah. in the in the late nineties when I got my flip phone, and I thought that was the coolest thing—the StarTech, the Motorola StarTech. Oh, the
0: brick. Tech. Oh come on. No, no, a was, little, little, yeah. one, little one. Little oh yeah, no no I know. Yeah.
1: So the, the, the exciting thing is, from our perspective, as, as innovators uh, trying to bring new systems mm-hmm. and processes, the reality is that the next few years are going to be incredibly exciting. Yeah. And I think that you're going to see a, a shift from society, and particularly investment society, and the, the people that, that invest capital, to realize that healthcare is an incredible opportunity because of that disruption is going to create, frankly, I hate to say it, losers are winners. Uh, but those that adjust to the marketplace, you also don't adjust to understanding that managed care is the future, understand that the that, that future also belongs to technology infused care, like we talked about the last blog, right? Uh, that was very fundamentally important. And we understand the tremendous value that physicians bring to our society, but also understand that it is unrealistic to, prevent, to expect that a doctor is going to be a great doctor and clinician and also be a great administrator, uh, and also be a great technologist to pick which EHR he and, wants, and,
0: and a good business person. And as a good well. business person. Yeah.
1: It it really is impossible. Is. so? I think there's gonna be a lot of disruption in a positive way.
0: No, i i would I would totally agree with that. So, I think we've got uh, I think we've got some major opportunities ahead of us. I think to the technology side and the term technology infusion. I think I think investors are getting smarter and beginning to realize that technology is is just not something you can bolt on to healthcare. It's something that you have to build into healthcare. It's You have to merge it properly. And unless it's done properly, it's not going to work.
1: No, and a, and a perfect segue to that is also the way we talk about managed care.
0: Yeah. Managed care
1: sounds really easy on paper uh, and in theory. If you can spell it, yeah, it's no, great. And the challenge is in the practical application of what that means. And many people come to me that are friends. And says, well, what do you think? I yeah, just turned 65. or about to start 65. What do you think? And I said, listen, unless you have money to burn or print um, or print your own money, uh, manage care. The selection is which of the dozen companies, at least in Florida, more than a dozen, you want to pick. Mm-hmm. Because the reality is that their interest is to keeping you as healthy as possible. And by the way, while you're doing that, you're also uh, controlling your cost in um, particularly parts of Florida, you could not only uh, get great care, but you actually get reimbursed for your, for your Medicare uh, charges for Medicare Part B. So right, it's really right. interesting, and I think it's going to be very exciting. And I know I can geek out a little bit on people talking about healthcare technology and managed care, uh, but hopefully you've found it it a value. So with that said, yes, we want to thank uh, all of
0: our listeners. Uh, Especially those that have me. stayed with us all the way through this. That uh, we, we appreciate you. You think those exist? 19 uh, log- I think we've got one and a half to 1.7. Yeah. All right. Yeah, All right. So there. this
1: is our uh, podcast number 19, Healthcare 2030. Uh, Trying to try to see where we are today no, and no, predict we're gonna the We're going to try to
0: survive to get to uh, number 20. We'll be
1: here. Yeah. Thank you very
0: much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our podcast. To learn more about our company, please check out our website at oxiohealth.io. That's www.oxio.io health.io